we have come together today in this space for this weekly meeting that we do, husband and wife. It's the only reason we ever uh, meet face to face to talk about Avatar The Last Airbender. All rise. What? We are gathered here today to talk about an episode of Avatar The Last Airbender who died in the Nickelodeon to forgive us of our... Is this Ang Church? What are we doing? I don't know. I'm just doing an Ang Church. Just doing a little Ang Church bit? Like, what if Avatar The Last Airbender was a Protestant religion? That would be weird since he's Buddhist. Yeah. But what if it were a religion in itself, specifically Protestant style, where (laughs) you go in a place that's completely made of drywall and you just listen to... (laughs) We're not that different from that. We're and just... the people and the the bread that you eat. Hey, hey, here's something that would make church a lot better. If the bread were drywall? The bread is already drywall. It already is. And butam. <laughs> butam ching. What, did, what accent was that? Butam ching. Butam ching. You know. Butam ching. Here's what would make church a lot better. Two pastors at the same time talking to each other. Fighting. <laughs> Dueling. <laughs> Whichever one has a better, more appealing message. (laughs) You got to get a Protestant pastor and a Catholic pastor and they got to duel it out. (laughs) Whichever one is more fashionable is the one I would would vote for. Think about all the good podcasts where there's only one person talking. There's barely any. That's my future podcast where it's it's just a full solid stream of consciousness. I just get kicked off or. (laughs) Yeah, that's actually what this this podcast is going to become. (laughs) I really think it's a good concept if you had a church with two pastors and they just talk to each other. Because I feel like that... <laughs> just like sitting at a table like yeah, across like, from each other, yeah, if podcast like, style. If pastors did it podcast style. So that just, it's just a live podcast then. Yeah, like... I'm pretty sure like live Christianity podcasts certainly must exist. Absolutely. So this already <laughs> They have exists. to have millions of subscribers already. For Mm -hmm. each and every one of them. I just think it's a lot better concept. I just don't think that pastors should just be going up and doing like a TED talk. to Avatar The Last Airbender podcast called My Pod Cabbages. <laughs> That's a way to start. I'm Summer. I'm Noah. I'm so thrown off by the weird yeah. way that this began, but I'm just going to keep going. I'm just going <laughs> to power through. This episode really makes up for the last one. It does. It is arguably one of the most important episodes, like in the whole show, for a lot of reasons. This that is we'll like get a into. slingshot. The last episode was like they just pull you back <laughs> and then they like kind of let go in this and shoot you <laughs> straight into a hurricane. That's true. And kind of what I was going to say about this episode in and of itself, just how it, well, I'll, we'll get there. We'll get there. I also do very much deeply relate to a lot of the weird dark shit going on in this episode. And I was 
crying lavishly behind my sunglasses the whole time I was watching it this time around. I don't have many fun facts this week due to like the, this episode not yeah. being fun. Well, or- no, 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 I was going to say the whole episode is basically just like a list of fun facts about yeah, the show. It's the fun fact episode yeah. pretty much. That would have been really funny if Aang, like a little chibi Aang would pop up in the corner. Fun fact. Did you know Zuko actually? <laughs> Thanks again to Sarah of Pot of Greed for sending me the Avatar art book. I also learned that Appa's whimsical, magical six-luggedness is based on cat bus from Totoro. Love that. Love that. That's exactly what I wrote. Mm-hmm. Love that. Appa was sort of originally kind of based on like, Kind of like a manatee, sort of. Yeah. Noah and I Love got that. really distracted like before yeah. we started recording, just like flipping through and looking Love at all the- Love to see it. So much good shit. I wish I could just upload the art book as my fun mm-hmm. fact for this episode. Um, my other fun fact, I have decided to save until the end of the episode. Ooh. Let's get into it. Hangs on Appa and everything looks like a weird, fun little dreamy filter. <laughs> yeah. This episode opens on what is obviously- dream we get that blurry sepia filter Sokka is airbending and Katara is riding a giant Momo mm-hmm. Aang's flying on Appa in the middle and he's like smiling back and forth at his little family there's a voiceover of Katara telling Aang that they need him and Aang says he needs them too they come up on this storm and Aang freaks out and he tries to warn his friends but they're gone all of a sudden and then Gyatso's there we see another big Momo. God, this really is like trying to explain like a real dream. Yeah. <laughs> and then my ghost monk dad was there. Do you, do you ever have a dream where where, where you where you angs where Appa Sokka's on a glider that you could do and where anything? you where you Katara's in a Momo? Please, where can you, we not do this okay. again? Gyatso is like guilting Aang for disappearing. We still still don't really know what that's supposed to mean he's, yet. He's like, why did you disappear? <laughs> uh, we here at Pod Cabbages HQ have been hinting at this for a while, though. <laughs> so <it's, laughs> anyone who's watched the show or has paid close attention to <laughs> everything we've said probably mm-hmm. already knows. Then Gyatso does the epic Infinity War meme. What do you mean? Where you just like kind of fade away into dust. Oh, like Mr. Gyatso, I don't feel so good. Yeah, Gyatso says, Aang, I don't feel so good. And then he does the epic Infinity War meme. Okay, sure. Aang enters the storm and then relives his moment from 100 years ago, falls into the ocean and gets separated from Appa as his friends are like telling him that they need him in this weird haunting voiceover. We need you, Aang. You got to join me. We We need need you, Aang. Aang. We We need need you, Aang. Aang. We need you, Aang. <laughs> I feel <laughs> filthy. Aang wakes up and scares Momo, who wakes everyone else up. There's a Sokka funny moment where he wakes up and apparently is sleeping with two weapons, um, oh. <laughs> like in his fists. <laughs> he sleeps with a weapon in each hand. <laughs> hey, I don't know if I just never pay attention to Sokka's arsenal or what, mm-hmm. but like, have you ever noticed how his little knife has like what <laughs> what looked like human teeth on it it's his baby teeth oh you gotta keep him somewhere sure it's just his wisdom teeth first glance it did look like he just had two boomerangs which i'm not sure why he doesn't like it would just be super on brand that's true i mean you could have like four boomerangs yeah just just, throw them all exactly just just juggle them all yeah it'd be easier to juggle than like just regular balls spheres sorry (laughs) balls is a bad word sorry for being so politically incorrect spheres i mean (laughs) 
pee is stored in the spheres. Fiance voice suck on my spheres. My favorite uh, Holst suite is the is the music of the balls. <laughs> oh, also, Aang is just sleeping on the ground again without a sleeping bag or even a blanket or a pillow, as he does. Katara is worried about Aang because he's been having a lot of nightmares lately. Having myself just gone through therapy for PTSD for the first time last year, I found out that nightmares are actually a very common, uh, if not ubiquitous symptom in PTSD, which is clearly what Aang is dealing with and Mm -hmm. like has been dealing with like for the whole show, whether or not the writers were consciously (laughs) trying to include neurodivergency Mm -hmm. in their writing. Like they did. And actually they did it pretty well with Aang's like whole denial avoidance like flashbacks and nightmares and stuff it's been pretty thoroughly laid out as ptsd and they've even like managed to show like healthy ways of dealing with it and like all that good stuff too so great job boys um extremely tone deaf Sokka cuts in wants to talk about his own dream (laughs) his friends just ignore him as they should. We get a lot of uh, Chekhov gunning in this one about the beautiful clear skies. They're out of food, so Katara suggests they go grocery shopping, and she uses a bad pun I won't even allow to see the light of day. I don't even remember what it was. I don't remember what it was. I just wrote down it was, <laughs> was a bad a pun. pun. Don't allow it to see the light of day. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad that you erased that pun from our memories. <laughs> Sokka warns them that they can't go to the market because in his dream, food eats people. And also Momoka talking was very mean. It's just a really weird little, I don't know, I guess just like a super random thing for him to say. I'm not sure if this was all meant to be like a Chekhov's gun red herring. Like really mixing oh, our literary <laughs> devices here. A Chekhov's red gun. A Chekhov's red gun. <laughs> Like, we're just going to say as much seemingly pointless shit as possible. (laughs) You (laughs) won't know what information actually matters. I feel like that would objectively be a good writing strategy. Yeah. I was actually, this reminded me of that film idea I had where, like, the whole thing is just filmed, like, where every scene is essentially just, like, Mm. a weird cliche cliche Chekhov's gun scenario. But nothing ever actually resolves. And now I'm thinking about it. I've been slowly, painfully making my way through noise-based podcasts, you're going to, and I do think that the TV show, The Secret Life of the American Teenager, is in fact exactly that. Okay. <laughs> That's exactly what they were just, going for. Genius writing. Just genius writing. 10 out of with 10. No, no payoffs. <laughs> That's a lot of restraint to have no payoffs. No payoffs. Wow. <laughs> Um, so I can finally cross that off my miles long list of brilliant ideas. Been done before. At last, the boys are back in town. Uh, Iroh and Zuko arrive on the scene. You probably didn't hear it, but I wrote a scene S-E-A-N-E because they're at sea. Nice. We We haven't seen these boys in what? God, like how long has it been since we talked about Zuko and Iroh? When was the last episode that they appeared? I gotta backtrack this. <laughs> um, we got We did the Great Divide, the Canyon episode. That and then one we they did were not in. Jet before that. That which one they, they were were not also in. not in. And we had the, the tea with a fascinating stranger. I think we took a week off. Somewhere yeah, where in there. we just talked about them. It's been and literally then, over like a month and a half at least. Goodness. Oh my god, I missed these Love boys. To get back to them, Ira's like, "Honey, you've got a big storm coming." <laughs> Apparently there is a storm coming, according to Iris spider senses. Yeah. Um, Zuko is pissed. He's like trying to defend the weather, uh, saying she is 
perfect and beautiful. And it's the dry season. Yeah, I was going to say. There won't say, be rain. This is exactly what I was going to say. This does feel like a lot of the argument about like, it will rain, it won't rain. It's yeah. like, we just went over this. We just went over this. So obviously they don't have any tarps out. They're using <laughs> them as blankets still. <laughs> but Iroh not only senses this storm out of the clear blue sky, but he seems to even know like which cardinal direction it's coming from. He seems... <laughs> He seems to be an expert on whether skies are clear or unclear. And wait, I'm receiving a transmission. It seems you can't spell unclear without uncle. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks for the joke, Matt. Put a citation at the end for that then. I was going to only credit him at the end, but then I was like, that would be so cruel. (laughs) Yeah. What if we just said like asterisk? You can't spell unclear without uncle. Asterisk! Iroh suggests they shift course to avoid the storm. And Zuko seems to trust him like on the information, but would rather just go head first mm-hmm. into the storm to keep up with the Avatar. Yeah. He he likes to run his ship like a Tesla factory. Cranking hard? He cranks hard and he doesn't care for the safety of his workers. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay, so <laughs> okay, so I Iroh is like Think of the safety of the crew. And and Suko's like. (laughs) Suko's like. The safety of the crew doesn't matter. (laughs) Are you stupid? Yeah. yeah, He says it in all caps with like a question mark. As if like. Excuse me? As if like Iroh was stupid for even suggesting it. (laughs) Please. Crew needs to be alive. And of course, there is <laughs> there's a crew guy standing there and his wig is dangerously askew. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, wait, what the fuck? <laughs> what? Hey Zuko? What the fuck? Hey Zuko, what the fuck? Zuko sees him and just doubles down on it. <laughs> I lit- I also wrote down doubles down. <laughs> he tells him like finding the avatar is the more is more important than any of the individual's safety. Uh, Zuko storms off. Oh. 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 Hmm. Mm. And Iroh, like, tries to backpedal for him a little bit to the crew guy, saying Zuko's just kind of having a bad one. <laughs> we have another weird, pointless scene where Katara's just arguing with a vendor about <laughs> whether or not swooshing in a melon is a good thing. Mm-hmm. God, I really hyped up this episode at the beginning, and I forgot how slow it starts. Yeah. <laughs> I am just tearing up about this melon discourse. But this is kind of like the pacing of the episode where it just starts really slow and then yeah. it like starts exponentially like piling things on top of That's it. That's sort of what I was going to say. Like it, this does just as an episode does kind of slingshot like that. But they don't have any money anyway. So they just have to give back all the food they had in their basket. Uh, Katara tells Sokka to get a job. Yeah, they realize that they're not living in like D&D rules and they can't just find money in barrels and scavenge it from people. There's no pirates around, so they can't just steal shit. And they figure out that service can be exchanged for goods and money. Meanwhile, there is an old couple behind them arguing about whether or not it's safe to go fishing today because the wife feels a storm a coming. They're just kind of arguing about whether or not it will rain. The fish husband, we'll call him Red Harry. (laughs) (laughs) Red Harry needs to find a new fish assistant. I don't know anything about fishing or hashtag fishing life. We're podcasters, not rodcasters. 
Zuko's ship is heading straight into unclear waters. And the crew guy, um, he does have a crew cut, so it's an appropriate way to refer to him. <laughs> crew guy gives Zuko some lip about the storm, and Zuko tells him to learn some respect or he'll teach it to him. I also noticed um, <laughs> Zuko points with his fingers the way you do when you firebend, like the... Uh, like flight attendant fingers, now that I think about it. Oh. <laughs> In the event of an emergency, follow the floor illumination to the respect zone, Lieutenant. <laughs> oh. oh. Do you ever do that on any of your passengers? Yeah, I absolutely call where my passengers you, lieutenant and tell them I mean, to go to the respect no, like, zone. <laughs> where you a uh, passengers treating you rude and then you like do the kind of like hand waving things. And it's what like, would that do? I would advise you to go to the respect zone. <laughs> There are four of them, the front and the back. I feel like it would definitely be an epic own if we were in like a teen drama, but... That's very true, but I'm not a teen and my life is... Well, it is a drama, but no one's recording it except right now. Let's continue. Crew guy really goes off, uh, though. He rips his wig off and really... (laughs) He rips his crew cut off. And then he rips Zuko a new one. Zuko spins and like throws out his hands to challenge crew guy. And they like lock forearms with this clang. I love how they have these specially designed cuffs that clang like swords for maximum drama. But Iroh breaks it up and says they should all have some noodles to yeah. feel better. He's like, chill out. Let's just have some spaghetti or something. Oh, God, big mood. Big noodle. Okay. Big noodle. Mm, big nude. Zuko's pride is a bit hurt after feeling like kind of patronized by Iroh taking control of the situation. Aang tries to convince Sokka not to leave on the fishing boat because they all see the storm rolling in at this point. Red Harry suddenly realizes Aang is the Avatar and Aang and Katara kind of perk up. Uh, But then Harry is like, oh, no, no, no. (laughs) Don't get me wrong. I fucking hate this little dude. (laughs) Like the Avatar was supposed to be here for us and disappeared uh, for a hundred years and left us all here to suffer alone. Shoo. Shoo. Yeah, get the fuck out of here. Go away. Get, get, get. Katara's trying to defend him, but Aang is clearly super hurt and he just flies off and Katara gets on Appa and flies after him into the rain. It's raining. It oh, does wow. it does rain There's apparently. A storm. <laughs> she follows Aang into this lacrimose leech ass cliff cave. Uh she tells Aang the fisherman was way out of line and Aang's like not really and he doesn't really want to talk about it, but then Katara just pries away anyway mm-hmm. with her emotional crowbar. Emotional no crowbar. crowbar. <laughs> emotional emotional crow. crew cut. <laughs> emotional crew cut. <laughs> uh, Katara gets a little fire going and Aang whisks us away to the day the monks told him he was the avatar. Do, 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 you could actually put in like a... Like a little... Yeah, I'll put that in right here. It all started when I... No. <laughs> I can't do oh my an God, Aang Please voice. don't. <laughs> it sounded like a bad Spongebob impression. It really, really extremely <laughs> did sound like Spongebob. Please do it again just so I can hear it. It all started when I was... <laughs> 
It all started when I was teaching my buddies how to make an air scooter. Oh, now that you're trying, it doesn't work. It doesn't. Just be normal. Aang is teaching his friends how to do air scooter, how to make one, and how to ride it around. <laughs> These kids aren't doing that well at it, but Aang assures them with enough practice, they can figure it out. They're very impressed by Aang. Everyone loves him. He's like the cool kid in the school. Uh, school kid. The sc- <laughs> it's just the... I just... Okay. That's how... You got the, the elders. They show up. And oh my god! Oh my god! <laughs> Please let me talk about okay, this wait. one. What okay. Are, okay, they show up. There's like <laughs> Aang, and there's five of them. They all look pretty like normal default old guy. But, except, <laughs> please, please. Okay, <laughs> one of these old monks has <laughs> the wildest beard. It's like a double decker <laughs> white mustache with a long kind of ash brown beard and his mustache is mm-hmm. tied together like down the middle of his situation. Yeah. I really cannot begin to imagine how difficult this must make the eating process. Yeah. This is a... His beard is this, tied in front of his this mouth. This beard goes down to his knees and it is a brown beard and his mustache is white. And it also goes down to his knees. It's the longest mustache and it's tied at the end. Anyways, he goes to like a special talk to him and Aang finds out he's the avatar and he's like, wait, how did you know that? And (laughs) wait, wait, wait. Well, what? You forgot the other important monk. What's the other important? Oh yeah. His dad. No. Well, that one. But also there is another one of these monks who has the most extra parasol I have ever laid eyes on. It's like bigger and more bulbous than uh, Daisy Mario's dress mm-hmm. and has like the same amount of flair and decor. It's a very Amazing. nice yeah. parasol. And they're like, it doesn't even look like they're out in the sunlight. He's just kind of yeah. holding it. I maybe, love that. Maybe he's got like a skin problems or something. Or a fashion blog. Or maybe it might rain, even though it's the dry season. You oh, never know. Okay. Aang finds out he's the Avatar, but he's also like, wait, how did you, how did y'all know? And one of the elders tosses Aang some, like, a couple of toys. And he's like, remember these? And Aang's like, these are my favorite toys. This lineup of toys is like four toys. We see an exact scale replica of a baby turtle. One of those helicopter spinny things where you pull the string and it goes a like up in the air. Okay, everyone had these little spinny things as kids. Yeah. Or like some variation of them, like the ones that you could get in like the little prize whatever you could put them together yeah. and fly them away or whatever. But I, <laughs> my immediate thought upon seeing this was that one video. Same, the, same here. <laughs> the fucking, the girl who had the flutter by fairy toy that just yeah. went straight into the fireplace. <laughs> like, went, like went straight up and flew <laughs> Oh, God, I love that video. <laughs> the third toy is just like this shitty looking wooden hog monkey. The fourth one is a little hand drum that's got like two strings on it with like beads on each string. And when you like spin it around in your palms, it goes like. So I grew up in Spokane uh, where there used to be a lot of respect for the local Native American tribe. So, like, the culture was kind of everywhere. Um, Like, we used to do, like, annual res visits and whatnot at school. Mm -hmm. But it's all just, like, shit Trump supporter county now. Um, But this little drumsicle, my family got one from uh, the tribe, bought one from the tribe. We had one of these little drum 
drum on a sticks and it was like one of my favorite toys when I was a kid I even just oh. like as we were watching the episode I like texted my mom I was like do you still have that little drumsicle mm-hmm. <laughs> and she was like yeah I got it around here somewhere so yeah, yeah. Th- those are really fun especially for kids just very mm-hmm. addicting like, love those yeah was, it is so addicting <laughs> it's like um, it was like the fidget spinner or like the fidget cubes of the it's <laughs> early 2000s it's a, it's a very fun sensory experience where mm-hmm. you get like the little vibration of like the boom boom it's and like it a sounds sort of a, a beat saber and it moves feeling. really fast and it's just so <laughs> fun what a good toy beatsicle yeah the elders say that he chose these four toys because he chose them out like of thousands which i'm just imagining like all right eh? all <laughs> here's a giant pile of toys here, go into the toy vault as sort of like a room of requirement or something <laughs> Do they have do they have monks where they have that are just like making all like the decoy toys? <laughs> the decoy the D toys. They have to make like really, really good ones just so they know for sure. If they turn these down, they gotta be the avatar. <laughs> they have like a fucking like uh, virtual boy in there. Yeah. <laughs> some some, some uh, what are they called? Like what, what were those things called? Those hatchimals. Little, those little, oh, Hatchimals. Now, I wasn't even thinking. I was thinking of like those little robot dogs. I had like a 101 Dalmatian I, version. There's got to be like <laughs> thousands of brands of robot dogs. I, I was going to try to jog your memory by barking and then I realized <laughs> that was not effective. You know, it goes whoop, 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 whoop. Oh, like the dog sound, <laughs> like robot dogs. But Aang chose these shitty toys because Marge Simpson voice, I just think they're neat. These shitty handmade toys because that's all they had back then. And the elders are like, listen, so even though you're like 12, I guess, like we should technically be telling you when you turn 16, but we've been just getting bad vibes. Bad vibes. Just bad vibes from all the elders. Spidey senses. Lots of spidey senses in this episode. Mm-hmm. We feel like that a storm's a brewing. Ooh. And we feel like that we have to tell you now. Hey, they weren't wrong. There was a they storm. There was a storm a brewing. It was and just a storm. Like afterwards, <laughs> they're like, shit, it was just a storm. It was, just it was a rain. literal storm. And then we go back to the Fire Nation ship. After our flashback, we see Zuko's crew on the ship in the storm. And they're all gathered around a fire and they're complaining about Zuko's tyrannical attitude. Iroh walks in on them as they're like shit talking Zuko and they all freak out a little. They're worried that Iroh would be upset about like their shit talking. But I guess that's like it's kind of understandable. Like I'm yeah. I'm sure generally Fire Nation leaders are very have a very low tolerance for that kind of thing. Yeah. Normally. And Iroh's like, this is like actually pretty mild from what I usually hear about Zuko. <laughs> Yeah, I was like, it's totally chill. Let me come down there uh, and explain. And now we finally, uh, finally, I forgot we hadn't already, this hadn't already been discussed on the show, but here we are. We finally at the exposition for Zuko's uh, situation, his history. Mm-hmm. We see a tiny Zuko and he wants to get into a war chamber. And Iroh's like, you really don't need to go into this war chamber because it's boring. And Zuko's like, I feel like I should start learning since I'm like a prince and I should be knowing how to rule things because I will be ruling this entire sort of fire nation someday. And Ira's like, fine, 
But don't say shit to these old people because they are very sensitive. Republicans. Don't <laughs> cut that out. We can bleep that out. They're <laughs> They're Republicans. <laughs> They're Republic. <laughs> I I have to wonder if Iroh has any guilt for acquiescing to this. I was gonna say that too. Yeah. Like I mean, he shouldn't at all. But yeah. like as a parental figure, it seems like something someone would kind of probably feel guilt mm-hmm. over. I mean, that sounds yeah. super sounds like I'm blaming him, but I'm not. I'm just empathizing, I guess. But it could also be something that he might have done on purpose. Yeah. Because he knew that Zuko wasn't ready to hear it. And I was going to say, yeah, like, he, you know, sometimes the only way a kid can learn is like through experience. Yeah. But I also maybe doubt that Iroh knew it would end the, yeah. uh, the way that it did. Ends a little rough. Um, We'll get to that though. Yeah. Maybe that's why like a few episodes ago, he was like, you shouldn't assume my brother is the forgiving type because yeah. maybe this is where he learned that lesson. Yeah. Ooh, looks like Iroh's learning lessons in this too. Interesting. Um, so they're in the war chamber and Zuko's just having a sit-in. It's like a bring your son to work day. <laughs> bring your nephew to work day. Begrudgingly bring your <laughs> nephew and or son to work. Bring your nephew to war chamber day. There's some sort of general in there and you got that classic sort of war map with little pieces on it. And he's saying, hey, we got a fresh group of new recruit baby soldiers and they're just completely useless and untrained so we could just attack a bunch of hard-ass earthbender soldiers head-on apply directly to the earth nation we could use our actual good soldiers to attack from behind and sacrifice all these new baby soldiers because they're useless and our flashback tiny zuko hates this for using soldiers as bait this is like the like probably the first like clear clear indication that zuko has a good heart yeah zuko is outraged everyone's giving him a weird look And that's about the end of that scene. And we get back to the cave where Aang's by a campfire. Back in the lacrimose cave, Katara (laughs) is confused about Aang being upset about finding out that he was the Avatar. But Aang says uh, everything started to change when everyone found out that he was the Avatar. So after Aang met with these elders, he goes back to his boys and he finds out that they already made like a whole game out of this air scooters and everyone's really good at God. doing this air scooter thing. I would be so angry about this. Yeah. And <laughs> Personally, but I know, and, I know that's not healthy. And Aang wants to join, but oops, he's the avatar and it would be unfair because he's so powerful and it's the only fair way to have the only fair way is, is for him not, not to play. Him. Why didn't they just do like him against everyone? Yeah, exactly. At least like, like try that. Or- like if if both of us were to play like Scrabble with your mom, it would only be fair if both of us teamed up because your mom's like maybe if hawkishly good at Scrabble. They're like pretty young, so like maybe they're just kind of still a little bit naive like immature about their way of thinking about this like literally balancing it and they're like well it wouldn't be fair to have one against everyone but it wouldn't be fair to have you in a team with anyone else Um, so it's just there's there's no fair way about it i mean they're airbenders they should be like experts at balance i know but but they none of them have their arrows yet except (sighs) they don't 
That's oh, I forgot about that. Yeah, and he's the only person with arrows because he's just so he's, good. Yeah, he's the only one who's he's the coolest kid in school. Mastered airbending. Wait, so that like they should have already. Like, yeah. Even if he wasn't the avatar, the yeah, if he wasn't the avatar, they already mm-hmm. should have been like you're clearly way better than all of us. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I guess that just kind of adds to like there's just no way that we can make this fair. Yeah, you're way too good. Next scene. Aang and Gyatso are playing Pai Show. They play the Iroh game, too. Interesting. Gyatso is being his playful little self, and he flips Aang's little hood with some sneaky airbending. And snare bending. Snare bending. He switches the tiles around while Aang can't see, and they're just having a good time. It's for fun, not for glory. One of the elder dudes walks in, and he's like, Gaming? What the fuck is up? Gamers, you should be training. Come with me to do some high-level techniques. And Gyatso's like, um, you're not his government-assigned dad, so get out of here. And we cut back to the ship. Wait, wait. We got it. Back at the ship, the Fire Nation ship. Iroh continues his story about Tiny Zuko. We're back in the war room. Zuko's dad, the Fire Lord, is pissed. The general challenges Zuko, I think, to an Agni Kai. The whole thing is that Zuko and the general are going to fight. And Zuko's all in for this because he just wants to fight anyone. They go to this sort of fight stage looking thing that they just have. It's it's like the dueling kind of situation in Harry Potter. Yeah, like imagine Harry Potter and the Chamber of Secrets. Zuko goes up on the stage and everyone's like, yeah, Zuko. There was something I did want to point out. Okay, yeah. A lot of the people in the crowd, they're all Fire Nation, but some of them are wearing like blues and yellows, which is hmm. like super weird and unusual. I mean, like it was a while ago, but I guess they've all gotten their, their the, assigned outfits now. But It's very weird to me that everyone has to dress like a specific color. Yeah. I guess if you live in a palace, you got to have some sort of dress code. Zuko comes up to the stage And we see the other opponent. It's not the general. It's his dad, the Fire Lord. Wait, no. Oh, (laughs) Yeah. Zuko looks, like, terrified at the start of this Agni Kai. Like, absolutely terrified. And just the fact that his dad, I mean, he saw, like, he was looking down at his son and saw his face like this. It's just... Not fun. And we're back at the Avatar cave and Aang is by the campfire, still and telling Katara a story. Then just when things were starting to improve for Aang. <laughs> we have a scene where Gyatso and another elder is approaching the Umbrella Elder. Umbrelder. Gyatso is telling the Umbrella Elder, Aang just should just have fun. The other elder says... No, he needs to be training and doing his destiny and learning how to punch things real hard. This sort of main elder guy with the umbrella, who is the person in charge or something, I don't know how this sort of elder system is set up, but he just makes a f- immediate and final decision that he feels that Gyatso is too emotionally invested with his government assigned son and this is just like when my parents or I guess his parents 
there was a boy that I liked in high school and his parents would not allow us to go to a dance together yeah. because we liked each other. Yeah. <laughs> like, the feelings are too strong. Mm-hmm. Apparently the fate of the world was more important than Aang just having a fun time. They're just like, oh, we're just going to send Aang to a completely different air temple on the other side of the world so we can get him as far as Gyatso from, as possible because he's just having too much fun with him. We look up up in the trees a boy <laughs> it's ang and he's been eavesdropping he's been eavesdropping this whole time he's been eavesdropping, he's this, been whole eavesdropping time. this whole time and then we cut back to katara isn't really sure how to comfort ang after this story and ang just kind of blows up mm-hmm. realizing that he was like the victim in this story basically um this is actually a technique for ptsd therapy like relearning a traumatizing event as something to be to be like sympathetic to the person who experienced it instead of blaming yourself for what you did wrong again excellent <laughs> positively accidental writing excellent example of healthy coping for stuff like this uh, but in the moment <laughs> ang <laughs> kind of loses control of his emotions some people go into the avatar state to cope and that's healthy just a vent he throws hot cinders into the air from the (laughs) fire and yeah then he does enter the actual literal avatar state and again a very normal healthy response to revisiting trauma entering the avatar state but Mm -hmm. obviously katara is also not a licensed therapist so yeah uh, well, spoilers, but she is kind of a doctor eventually. Yeah. She's probably more qualified than most people Aang would try to seek help from. Mm. But in real life, your friends do love you and they want to help you, but you should always try to find help from like expert physicians. Like, yeah. preferably, preferably people with experience in the kinds of problems you're dealing with. But Aang regains control very quickly. Like very, very quickly. Yeah. <laughs> it's impressive. And he ap- apologized to Katara because he is a very good boy and he did have a very good upbringing for most of his life. Mm-hmm. He apologizes for blowing up. She says that he has a right to be upset after the monks sent him away like that, but apparently that's not exactly what happened. Wait, no. Don't watch flashbacking. We're back to the air temple. And my God, Aang's so lonely. So he opens up the window to hear the sounds of the airbending buddies on the scooters. And you get a little Aang voiceover. He's talking about how he was like afraid and confused and uncertain about everything. And we cut to a scene where we see Monk Gyatso and he's approaching Aang's room. God. And this made me so sad. Yeah. When fucking when got when gotso when when gotso sneaks in in the middle of the night and he's like i'm not going to let you take them away from me wait what boy <laughs> i said that very wrong i'm not going to let you take them away from me <laughs> okay, let me start okay. over i'm gonna start over this whole thing when gotso sneaks in like in the middle of the night and he's like i'm not going to let them take you away from me <clears throat> i saw like this whole timeline play out in just like a an instant where Aang didn't leave and Gyatso and Aang hide away together yeah. and they just like surprise attack the Fire Nation mm-hmm. soldiers when they uh, show up to the Air Temple. Honestly, I have no idea what would have happened if Aang hadn't left, but yeah. I, I couldn't help but wonder. <laughs> this is kind of like the same feeling that you get when you watch like a rom-com and like people are like trying to find each other and they're like passing right next to each God. other, but they don't see each other. It's just like the whole plot and of the movie Serendipity. Yeah, and 
He was like, I know I should feel frustrated because like I know the writers just want to add tension yeah. and like make it seem like that, but it's just but written in a way. I couldn't help but be stricken with grief. <laughs> I think about this scene all the time because Aang's telling the story. How did he know this? So this is my theory about all flashback scenes okay. in everything. Mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure this is how they're meant to be read. We get what actually happens. It, okay. the, the the flashback is like, it's like Aang is telling Katara his side of the story, but it's like, you know, while we're at it, we'll just actually go back and let you watch like the VHS. I don't, okay. know, I don't know why I picked VHS. <laughs> What's a, Summer, what the fuck is a VHS? Oh, you zillennials. <laughs> yeah. And there's like a note on Aang's bed, which Gyatso reads, we don't ever see what's written in the note, but we can only assume that Aang's just like, we have to help, but wonder. Aang just writes, bye. That's just what it says. Just says, fuck you. Yeah. (laughs) I'm going off, I guess. Maybe it says the same thing Gyatso just said. What did Gyatso? I won't let them take you away from me. Well, he took himself away from him. Yeah, so they didn't do it. Um, I don't know. So we cut to Aang and he's flying on Appa and they're in the literal storm and it's very rough and they crash into the water. You know the deal. You know the deal. Aang and Appa looks like they're going to die, but Aang goes into the Avatar state, which is probably the very first time in his life, I'm assuming. Yeah, it has to be. Yeah. Unless there was like just some, like if you go into the Avatar state, if you have like a weird dream. Yeah, he went into the Avatar state like when he picked out his toys. He goes into the Avatar state, which is definitely the first time that he's gone into the Avatar state in his whole life. And he just freezes him and Appa and then in the iceberg. And next scene, he's in Katara's arms and he wants to go penguin sledding. And that's the whole, that ties up the entirety of Aang's story. Hey, you just said something that made me a little bit worried. What? In the last episode, you revealed that you pronounced the word crown as crayon. Mm-hmm. Did you just say penguin? Penguin. Okay. Whew. Oh my penguin. God. Penguin. Penguin. <laughs> penguin sledding. Uh, a penguin. Penguin. <laughs> Let's go pain gooin. <laughs> Katara realizes why Aang has been so upset. It's because he did, in fact, run away, technically, like abandoning everything and everyone he loved. Mm-hmm. Aang says that his people and the world needed him and he wasn't there to help. Katara is desperately trying to reassure him, but Aang is just kind of inconsolable right now. Yeah. But she tells him that, like, surely it was all meant to be because he probably would have died with his people if he hadn't stayed, which is kind of what I was theorizing earlier. Like, the war probably wouldn't have ended well if Aang hadn't showed up when he did. So there was, like, kind of a magical destiny for him to disappear and reappear when he did. Mm -hmm. Like, Katara tells Aang that the world needs Aang, specifically now more than anything. Like, he's... Kind of like a time capsule sent from before the war. Just like a bouncy little kid full of hope and energy and spirit. Mm -hmm. And he gives people hope. He gives people hope. On Zuko's ship, Iroh is explaining that Zuko pretty much immediately conceded and was begging for mercy. We see Zuko, who looks like he's conceded and (laughs) begging for mercy. Immediately after he saw his dad, 
he just falls to his knees. Yeah, he and has he's no like, interest in doing he's this. He's like, my bad, apologizing the whole time. And he's filled with determination to not fight. This is a save point. Ozai is like, I love you, my son. And my love language is burning people. No. <laughs> and he he wants Zuko to fight him so bad. And Zuko's like, no. I, and he's like choosing mercy over and over and over again. Oh, God. I'm so sorry <laughs> I made you watch me Zuko, play this game. <laughs> his dad's... Really can you, shitty. Can you imagine if Ozai did what Flowey did? I don't want to. We're not getting into this, but I just sorry. I just had this okay. terrible. Zuko is a true pacifist in this fight, and his dad's really shitty, and he burns his son's face anyways off camera because it's still a kids' show. Uh, and Azula is there. Oh yeah, we see some girl in the crowd. Yeah, Azula. tiny, tiny little Azula, baby Azula, and we also see General Zhao in the audience. They uh, love to see it. I read that this was actually Dante Bosco's favorite scene in the whole show. Wow! <laughs> now that I think about it, that is pretty weird. But it was because he was doing this scene with Mark Hamill, of course, mm -hmm. who voices Ozai, Zuko's dad, and uh, Dante said that working on the scene felt kind of like the famous Luke Invader scene. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it is very similar. Zuko is banned. Back on the ship, Crew Guy is shook. And he says he was like under the impression that the scar was just from a training accident. Um, first of all, I don't understand how these crew members never heard about this. Like what I assume was this extremely famous Agni Kai but maybe Zuko just, he just handpicked this crew out of people who were in a coma for that week or something. Or here's the other thing. Okay. Everything played out exactly how it did. Everyone knows about it, but what they didn't include is that at the very end of the battle, Ozai just said, whoops. Oopsies. My bad. That was an accident. Iroh explains that Zuko's submission in this Agni Kai that by refusing to fight, he was basically embarrassing the Fire Nation. And that's how he was banished, apparently. Yeah. And if he actually tried fighting his dad, even if he lost very badly, like he probably wouldn't be banished. Yeah. There is like, as far as I can remember, there is either a theory or an actual <laughs> piece of the plot. Okay. That Zuko's dad never wanted Zuko in the first place and was pretty much looking for any excuse to get rid of him. Okay. For a couple of reasons. Mm -hmm. Either Azula was clearly a better leader okay. and he wanted Azula to be his predecessor. Mm -hmm. There's also a theory that Zuko is not his son, like a Jon Snow kind of situation. Ooh. Like his mom actually You was... know nothing, Jon Snuko. Snuko. According to the comics... Zuko's mom had a thing with someone else. So it is possible. Ooh. Yeah, it's possible that maybe Zuko isn't the son of Ozai, technically, which would make a lot of sense in a lot of ways, a lot mm -hmm. of ways. But anyway, there is the theory that Zuko's dad just kind of wanted to get rid of him. And this was like the perfect opportunity. So he was just kind of like, no matter what happened with this Agni Kai, he was going to, he was going to banish him anyway. Yeah. What if, what if Zuko's dad was Roku's son and Aang was Zuko's grandpa. There's, I mean, there's a specific person. Okay. But then Iroh does like straight admit in episode 12 of the first season 
that capturing and bringing back the avatar won't actually do shit. Like yeah. <laughs> Iroh knows this is essentially just a wild goose chase, but he explains like this wild goose chase is really the only thing left to give Zuko hope. Like Zuko lost literally everything. So this is all he has left, this pointless chase. Mm-hmm. The avatar gives Zuko hope. Yeah. Just like Katara was telling Aang, he gives people hope, but completely different context. Because- Everyone hope, somehow. Yeah. Before we return to Aang, we see Zuko alone in his room and have a few very small flashback cutscenes of him as like a happy little kid with his family. And I'm... (laughs) He just wants to have family again. Boy, this episode is so dark. (laughs) Emotionally, it's like... It's like if you were listening to a super bouncy, bubbly pop song and then just like a wayward, dirty dubstep drop just appears out of nowhere. (laughs) I guess that's the storm, baby. Uh, Wife of Red Harry appears at the entrance of the Lacrimose Cave. Red Harry (laughs) 2. Red Harry 2. Blue Harry. Red Harry 2, wife of Red Harry. We'll call her Blue Harry. Uh, She tells Katara and Aang that her husband and... Sokka are lost somewhere out in the dirty dubstep drop. And Aang looks determined. He's filled with determination. Um, He's kind of egged on by his own story. And he decides to fly out and find them. Sort of like, uh, well, I abandoned everyone. I might as well do something with this. I was just like, what does this remind me of? Oh, yeah, that episode of fucking Riverdale we just watched. It's fine. I definitely don't want to draw any parallels between fucking Archie and Aang. This is an anti-Archie podcast. This is an anti-Archie podcast and you heard it here first because where else would you hear it? (laughs) Well, he and Katara fly off into the storm. Aang, not Archie. I will mention that the old lady in the cave does say that it's turned into a typhoon. Which is literally- That is a hurricane. It's literally a hurricane. Mm -hmm. It's just a- A different word for it. It's just what, which ocean is the hurricane Which now that I think about it, this isn't Earth. Yeah. So, so how do they have? I um, highly doubt that there's gonna. any hurricanes in here. It's, it's might just all, just all be typhoons. Interesting. Meanwhile, it looks like Zuko's ship has been struck by lightning. Uh, the helmsman is dangling off of a broken tower for some reason. Oh, well, I have to guess like the helm is up there. It's okay. it's just a weird. It's got a long neck. Zuko sees him and immediately runs to help him. Yeah, I, accompanied by crew guy, and then the dopest. Okay, we see the most incredible moment ever caught on camera. God, I remember seeing this scene as a child and losing the wig I hadn't even grown yet. Yeah. Iroh looks around with this expectant look in his eye. He sees it coming. Yeah. He looks around and he kind of shivers and then he lowers into fighting stance and is struck by lightning. <laughs> <laughs> Which... Which, of course, he was prepared for this. He just redirects it out into the ocean. I mean, we're meant to assume here that this lightning was about to strike the ship and Iroh kind of like repositioned himself. He caught the lightning. Yeah, he like, he made himself into like a wick and redirected it away. And he pushed it somewhere else. This is for sure the scene that legally made Iroh my dad. Yeah. It's like the ring, but like <laughs> you will you will be adopted by me in seven days. God, I wish that were me voice. God, I wish that were true. Uh, then we see Iroh and he looks 
fried. Like his hair is all sticking mm-hmm. up and his eyes are wide open. It's good classic cartoon humor. Yeah. For airport bag throwing training, um, uh, they told us that we actual humans can tell when lightning's about to strike. Is it because all your hair stands up on your, your arms? Your hair is standing up on end and your skin gets all tingly. You get a metallic taste in your mouth. Um, it smells like chlorine, which is ozone, which is produced by nitrogen oxides or chemicals. Sweaty palms. Just because you're nervous. Arm spaghetti. <laughs> <laughs> and probably lastly, a vibrating, buzzing, crackling sound coming from metal objects around you. So I'm just imagining just like Breath of the Wild sort of yeah. when things start buzzing around. Hey, Noah. Hey, Summer. Remember when my brother was struck by lightning? Yeah, I do remember that. <laughs> okay. Wasn't as cool as this, but mm-hmm. it definitely happened. I mean, he was struck. Lightning struck next to him and he was electrocuted with the metal that he was sitting on the actual ground and it was raining and he was leaning against a metal and Mm -hmm. the lightning struck on the ground next to him. So it was I mean, he was struck by the lightning. He was taken to the hospital. He's fine. Didn't get any cool scars, but I guess now statistically, he's apparently more likely to get struck by lightning. I don't know if that's just an urban legend. I think the thing with that is that if you're the type of person who has been struck by lightning, you're statistically more likely to be stupid enough to be in the spot where you're going to get struck by lightning again. I mean, (laughs) statistics show that people who eat hamburgers are statistically (laughs) more likely to eat buns. are statistically more likely to eat more hamburgers than other people who haven't eaten hamburgers. <laughs> yeah. Ang punches through a wave. Wait. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> the helmsman nearly fell to his death, but of course Zuko caught and saved him. Looks like he cares about his crew after all. Yeah. It looks like he's going back to his old habits of... Being a good boy. Of He doesn't want people to be... Sacrifice for his own needs. For pride reasons. I will violate every safety code, but... I will do everything in my power to violate every safety code. (laughs) (laughs) But I don't want my crew to die. I just wanted them to be... As unsafe as possible. As unsafe as possible. I just don't want them to die. Aang and Katara are out over the middle of the sea looking for Sokka. And they're struggling to keep up in this storm. And then a very, very large wave almost overtakes them. Aang punches through the wave. Yeah, Aang gets them through with a little air bending. I get by with a little help from my air. <laughs> the Beatles voice. <laughs> the Beatles who famously are from Texas. It's the straight edge version of that song because I think the friends is like supposed to be drugs. Oh. If you listen to your edgy friends, I get by with air. With a good old H2O. <laughs> good old, wait, just good old O? Oh. O2. <laughs> Excuse me. Why don't I know the chemical for the air that I breathe? Oof. Oh, the molecule. Man. Why don't I know anything? <laughs> they spot the fishing boat and Zuko spots them. But he tells his crew to ignore the Avatar. Um, this is some wild character growth. I'm guessing it's because we just saw Zuko kind of like remembering what happened to him when he was a kid. And like Aang, he started to realize that what happened wasn't really his fault. Maybe he's starting to realize, hmm, maybe I should forge my own story. He tells his crew to get the ship to safety. And that's like their first priority. Undoing all of the funny jokes we just made. Iroh says that would be uh, the eye of the storm. 
And Iroh looks like disguisedly kind of proud of Zuko. Just like sees the character, smells the character growth. On the fishing boat, Sokka... I'm, I'm going to say... Okay, go ahead. This is going to be a quick little aside. Science side of my podcabbages explain. Iroh says we need to go directly into the eye of the storm, which I did a little bit of Wikipedia research on, and it looks like that that's the opposite of what you want to do if you want to go to safety when you're at sea. But they're playing in a Fortnite. Hurricane. I was a gamer. <laughs> Just he's using his Fortnite logic where it's like, <laughs> we have to go in the center of the storm. The wall of the eye of a storm, also known as the eye wall, is quote Wikipedia, a ring of towering thunderstorms where the most severe weather and highest winds occur. If you have seen Castle in the Sky... Mm-hmm. You know this. Does that happen in castle? Yeah, in re- remember they they have to get through this huge storm to get to the castle, oh. and like there is the eye wall outside of the castle, and it's okay. like the most dangerous part. I see. Yeah, and even within the eye, it's like um, it's pretty peaceful and stuff, but usually in the water, since there's wind and waves. Yeah, it's not like the waves just yeah. stop. <laughs> <laughs> and the reason that it's especially dangerous in the water is because the waves are converging in lots of different directions and oh my stuff. God, that sounds terrifying. So you can have things called rogue waves where like a bunch of Isn't that a Star Wars movie? <laughs> Star Wars rogue waves. <laughs> Which is where just waves are like clashing to like, you know, when you're like in a bathtub and you're just splashing around and then suddenly there's like a huge splat <laughs> happening. Um, Noah, yeah. Noah still takes like toddler baths. I do. I have to have at least 20 toys. I wish you could see all the rubber duckies um, in our house. In Hurricane Ivan, inside the eye of the hurricane, there was waves that were going at least 130 feet high. I don't, like, it's, I don't want to, okay. It's Can very we- dangerous to be in the eye of a storm <laughs> in the water or anywhere near it. I don't want to talk about this. It's bad. On the fishing boat, Sokka screams the classic line of i'm too young to die and red harry yells back i'm not <laughs> uh it took me a couple of listens to find out that he was saying i i'm not but i still don't wanna <laughs> on initial listen didn't get a word Does, nope uh ang lands on deck like right as the big pole thing is about to fall on Sokka and harry and he saves them uh, he lassos the two of them and, like, pulls them up onto Appa effortlessly. Strong. Looks like everything is about to resolve smoothly, but then the biggest fucking wave I have ever seen, like, even just seeing this wave as an illustrated cartoon image definitely did something insidious to my brain, which, as <laughs> seen moments ago, for some reason is already afraid of big waves despite never having lived anywhere near the ocean. Mm-hmm. God, there's just something, like, I don't want to get too much into it, but I regularly have nightmares about, like, enormous waves. Just being on shore, even just being completely inland and just, like, seeing these big waves. I think, now that I'm thinking about it, this must be a common thing because it is heavily featured in horror movies. Not horror movies, but, like, uh, like, natural disaster movies. Yeah. It's, like, always in the trailer, like, the Statue of Liberty falls over, Mm -hmm. and then you see this wave that's, like, a zillion kilometers high can i see a disaster movie where like a big wave like (laughs) knocks over the statue of liberty but that's that's it it. (laughs) it. (laughs) 
I mean, that kind of happens in The Day After Tomorrow. It, like, knocks over the... It doesn't... No, I don't think it knocks over the Statue of Liberty, but it hits the Statue of Liberty and then floods New York City and just freezes. And Have you seen that? No, i just seen the poster where everything's all cold. It's... It's pretty weird. Okay. Well, this wave easily overtakes Appa and all his, his passengers. And the music cuts to this sad little violin melody... And they all begin to sink to the bottom of the ocean. This fucked me up as a kid. But wait, not this time. Aang, Avatar states, gets everyone in his little air bubble and flies them safely out of there. Uh, Zuko and his crew arrive into the eye of the storm safely somehow. Zuko apologizes to Iroh. And then the gang pops up out of the water right in front of Zuko. And as he's flying up and away... Aang, like, locks eyes with Zuko, and there's, like, a tense moment. And they do, like, an awkward wave. (laughs) Um, But they're, like, clearly both way too tired to do anything at this point. It's just, like, they just, like, make a silent agreement, like, okay, just chill tonight. Can we just chill and watch a movie? Yeah, Zuko lets them fly off. Blue Harry is very happy to see Red Harry. Um, As payment, Red Harry tries to give Aang a fish and Aang's like, actually, I don't eat meat. And Red Harry is like, what? (laughs) Fish ain't meat. (sighs) (sighs) This is a regular thing that you hear once you stop eating meat. Relatable content. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) But this isn't meat, it's fish. It's fish. It's like some people just genuinely believe that fish and birds are like just types of plants Mm -hmm. so he gives Sokka the fish instead Aang thanks Katara for her help and tells her uh, he's going to stop dwelling on the past and he's going to try to move forward and Katara's like I don't think you're going to have those nightmares anymore (laughs) (laughs) so like yeah definitely don't seek mental health advice from Katara she's cured (laughs) she means well but she obviously yeah doesn't (laughs) And then Red Harry thanks Aang for essentially saving his life, kind of driving home how if Aang weren't here now in the weird roundabout way that he's showed up Mm -hmm. here, Red Harry would have died. So it's a small comfort, but it kind of, I think it helps Aang realize that there's some meaning to his life now, even after he's lost everything. God, this is like such weird territory for a kid's show, but I'm so glad we're here and it's happening and it's being talked about. Bless you, Brian and Michael, and other writers. And assorted others. Yeah, assorted others. They all walk out of the lacrimose cave, and the rain has finally stopped, and Appa shakes out like a dog, and that's the episode. The end. The end. In this episode, we do start seeing that Zuko is an actually interesting character. Yeah, I guess, like, it's hard to remember when you're watching it, even just for the second time, it's, like, hard to imagine Zuko as, like, a one-dimensional kind of annoying repetitive you know what I mean like yeah it doesn't seem that dynamic but in this episode I guess we really do see oh interesting where's this going I think this is the first time we see it's selfish basically but like Zuko doesn't have anything else and he's he's basically like he's in like the treat yourself kind of mindset yeah like where he's only had people throw him under the bus and he's never thought about himself. And now he's like, I deserve to be selfish for once, you know, to, to restore my honor. This is where we put in the answer to the question. My thing is 
that one monk's weird little white mustache. Is it big? In relation to what? You always say that, but like that's that's why the general 20 questions question is, or why the the usual question, is it bigger than a bread box? Is it bigger than a bread box? A bread box? A bread box. Is it bigger than a bread box? I I I think technically no. It's complicated. (laughs) Okay. Um, Is it physical? Yes. Is it made of atoms? Yes. That does make it physical. Shadows are physical, but they're more of like a pattern. They're the lack of light. So is that physical? We can't. They are physical. We can't do this. You see them in the physical world. Is it alive? That's an interesting question that I don't know the answer to. Is it plural? Also a complicated question. Do you see it in a flashback? Yes. Is it something we see? In a flashback. Yes. Here's the question everyone's been begging for the answer. Can you eat it? I'm going to say probably not. I don't want to think about it. Although I would imagine also it probably has been done. Okay. Can you romance it? Can you flirt with it? (laughs) Go on a date with it? Is it a social construct? (laughs) No. Does it exist in Fortnite? No. Does it require people to exist? Yes. Can you wear it? Hmm. I did not expect this to be so complicated. It depends on what you mean by that. Could it be used as some sort of clothing article? But is not defined by it. Like a sword is not a clothing article, but you could still use it as a clothing article. Just by wearing a sword. You could do that. You could. Can you drink it? No. Is it a solid? Yes. Like mostly solid? No, it's solid. Is it solid all the way through? Yes. So there's no water in it? No, no. Okay. I'm going to say things that are, things that are moist are still solid all the way through. Can you sell it for a pretty penny? I doubt it. I doubt it. If I put this up on eBay, do you think it would be immediately taken down? <laughs> no, it wouldn't. But I don't think anyone <laughs> would believe its authenticity. Like, like, would it like be violating the eBay like sort of terms of service? Like, you can't. Hmm. I don't. I don't know. I'm not familiar with eBay's terms of service, so I, I can't give you a definitive answer. Yeah. As long as I verify verbally, or I guess in in text that it is indeed not actually haunted, then it should be fine. No, Mm. it's, no, I I don't know. I don't know. You probably could sell it, but I doubt anyone would believe its authenticity. Is it authentic? Yes. It has authenticity? I'm just just saying if you put it on eBay. Okay, what if Aang put it on Avatar World? Aang Bay. On Aang Bay. That would be pretty fucking dark. What if Aang just sold it to, he sold it to like the watermelon person? Now that would be a... Traded in for a swooshy watermelon. An interesting comic series. That I would be very uninterested in reading. Is it alive or not? I, f- I forgot. Uh, you don't know? Uh, <laughs> Um, I need to know more about how the world and its physics work. Can it feel pain? <laughs> no, I don't think I don't think so. I don't think so. No, I don't think so. Does it decay over time? Another question I should know and people are probably screaming and okay. I don't really have an answer for you. So is there like a spiritual element around this? <laughs> 
no, no, it's me. No, no, no. Okay. I'm sorry. I didn't. Think, I did. I extremely did not expect this to be so complicated. Is I thought it was. Ex- <laughs> I thought it was very straightforward. Is this something that Aang has touched? <laughs> Maybe. I don't know. Not that we see. <laughs> Is this something that Zuko has touched? Definitely not. But Aang has. I don't know. Uh, Is it? <laughs> Is it? Is it the guy's weird beard thing? I is close enough. It was his mustache. His mustache. I was just going with the, just the guy's mustache. Yeah. Why did you choose something so mysterious? It's like, is it a solid? Is it singular moist. or plural? Is it moist? No. Is it alive? Does it feel pain? Can it be eaten? <laughs> it was a good one. I didn't expect it to be like that. My thing is the lightning that strikes Iroh and is bent out of the way. Is it alive? No. Is it in a flashback? No. Is it in Zuko's story? Yes. Is it only in Zuko's story? Mostly. So it it is also featured in Aang's story. It is not featured in Aang's story. Is it present at all in Aang's story? Kind of. Is this something that is bigger than a bread box? Yes. Could I lay down in this? I'm just going to say no because it would be hard. Is this something that if I was keeping it as a pet in my desk at school, would the teacher think it was weird? Yeah. Is this something that other things can live in? I really don't think so. Is this something that can be used to transport other things? I don't know if it's been tried before. Elon Musk, if you're out there, if you're real. (laughs) If you're real. (laughs) If I got the kids up on an early winter morn, And I said, wake up, kids. It's time for our yearly vacation to go to the blank. (laughs) Would that be a normal thing for me to do? It wouldn't, but it would be a good vacation. If not brief, not much to see. Is this something that is painful to the touch? Yes. Could you use this in some way to do your makeup? If you were creative and you had a loose definition of makeup, then yes. Is this something that Katara warns Aang about? No. Can it be eaten? Not sure. If I ran up to this thing with my arms open wide and I said, I really need a hug. And God was like, I'm going to make this thing accomplish the request. Would that be bad? Yeah, it's kind of like a genie would kind of pull this sort of monkey's paw situation. I'm going to I'm going to try to no scope this again. Is it the bolt of lightning that Iroh redirects? Yes. <laughs> I'm so good at this. That's just me clapping for myself. Oh, now Noah's clapping for me too. I have some unrelated questions for you. Okay. Avatarspirit.net user someone198 is wondering, what do you think eventually happened with the battle they were planning in the war room? We know bossing say wasn't taken, but how? Did they go through with the plan to sacrifice the 41st division? So assuming if Iroh's like retired or something, he probably might've still tried to talk him out of it somehow, maybe. 
Or at least, oh, I found a much better way to do this or something. I'm guessing that they did just go with it. Everyone died Mm -hmm. and then they didn't accomplish their goal, which is just how shitty people operate. I would also would not doubt that. But the presence of Iroh is the only thing that's making me doubt it. I'm just imagining like if the plan was just to have their strong firebenders to go up and like take the city but they heard Zuko was coming in. So they're like, let's make the most inflammatory plan just to get Zuko to do what he does. Avatarspirit.net user Tenanda, friend of the show Tenanda, asks, we learned from one of the questions at the San Diego Comic-Con that Eastern and Western temples were dedicated to the female population of airbenders. Why would they ship a growing boy off to live with a ton of girls? It's an interesting point. That also answers one of the questions that I had, which was, where are the ladies at? Yeah, yeah. So the other, the Eastern and Western temples have all the girls. So they were planning on shipping Aang off to hang out with them, which is fine. I mean, he's, yeah. he, I guess he's learned everything he, ha- mm-hmm. he can from here, so might as well. We already told the Avatar that he's the Avatar like four years early and we're separating him from his government and assigned dad. So we might as well just ship him off to like an all girls school because being heteronormative doesn't seem to yeah. matter so much. That would have been a really interesting, like yeah. if the war had never, well, then there wouldn't have been a show, but Waterbender Avatar Ramika asks, do you think the parallels they're drawing between Aang and Zuko are deliberate? Yeah. Yes. That's how writing works. That's writing. I think they're trying to, because, you know, like these questions are back when the episodes were still fresh. So mm-hmm. maybe they're trying to be like, is it like a familial thing or is it, yeah. you know, like, is there some kind of actual connection these two people have? I think it's just symmetry in story writing. Yeah. It is a very, very well written yeah. story. Even just... The title, I mean, we've seen this a few times already, but Mm -hmm. the title of the show refers to the literal storm in present day, the literal storm in the flashback, the figurative storm of the upcoming war, and then also the figurative storm going on inside of Aang's mind Mm -hmm. and the figurative storm going on in Zuko's mind. It's all like, it's very, very well sort of. And we see like a comparison between Aang and Zuko who are, extremely opposite to each other but they both it's kind of like when you really get to know people they actually are facing the same problems ang should have been doing the right thing and he did the wrong thing accidentally and that's, that's something true. he regrets and zuko it was supposed to be doing the wrong thing and he did the right thing and he's regretful about that yeah, they do balance each other perfectly yeah. user k wicked asks did anyone else notice iroh transferring lightning in this episode wait did he do that i completely <laughs> missed that wow <laughs> yes no i noticed way. it how would you how would it I thought he just got struck by lightning. <laughs> just for fun. <laughs> just for He just stood out there and was like... <laughs> he just wanted a hug. Lightning hug from God. User Kari or Carrie asks, Remember when Iroh said he closed his eyes when, quotes, it happened? You know what? I did the same thing. <laughs> How can a father just be that cruel? There's no good answer to this. I have a follow-up question from Young Wing. What kind of asshole jerk fries his own son's face like that and sends him after banishment on an impossible mission until they found out the Avatar did return for real to regain his honor? Well, I mean, Young Wing, you answered the question right in in the question. 
an asshole jerk. Mm-hmm. That's Has- what kind of asshole jerk. <laughs> Hashtag just dad things. Just dad things. Dad, if you're listening to this, how are you getting this far without watching the show? <laughs> also, I love you. Yeah, this is not about... You're a good dad. Yeah. Hey, I have another question for you, actually. What are your uh, what are your cabbages? Getting texts from people that I haven't talked to in like a decade that say something like, hey, we should hang out sometime or any message sent over Facebook Messenger. Is this a negative cabbage? Um, loud noises. People who are at least as tall as me. Welcome to our most anxiety-inducing episode. Just any medical bill in the mail. Since this episode is all about balance, I see your cabbages and raise you. And substitute my... (laughs) Raise you taking care of a plant and seeing new leaves sprouting on it. That really crunchy noise you hear when you're vacuuming and you know you vacuum up something real good. (laughs) ASMR vacuuming. (laughs) (laughs) When you like pull the comforter really tight on your bed and you see that you didn't get any wrinkles and it just lays out perfectly flat. When you have two containers from different brands and you find out one of them fits like perfectly into the other one and there's no reason for it but it just happens anyway when you have a headache and you drink a single glass of water and the headache just disappears hey summer hey noah what do you think would have happened if ang had just stayed realistically he would have died are you sure (laughs) yes because he could have just gone into the avatar state but he didn't know any of the other Mm -hmm. but he's not strong enough yet so like it it wouldn't have lasted that long. Like, I feel like he definitely could have stopped the invasion. Like, he could have saved, like, the the whole air temple that I think he could do if he was just in the Avatar state. I don't know. I feel I like he would have he... died in the war. Yeah, no, no, I don't, I don't think, mm, well, maybe. maybe. You might be right. In episode two, that's, like, the second time he goes in the avatar state he's like in this big water tornado and stuff i've already forgotten about this and we did a whole fucking like two hour long recording about that's like the first time he goes into like fighting mode so i feel like he could have easily defended the temple but if i if i remember correctly from that episode like right after he did that he basically like passed out just from the exhaustion of it i think he could have taken out a few people i don't even know if he would have yeah. been able to save the whole air temple okay maybe not the whole air temple it probably would have especially been... no consider the air temple is full of airbending masters they're like as strong as if not more strong than ang and like combined they they should be unstoppable but apparently yeah they came at them with everything they had so it would have still been very very bad like Probably most of them would have died. Um, this is depressing. It is depressing. <laughs> uh, I did. I, there was a couple of things I wanted to say. On that note, uh, we did talk a lot about mental health in this episode. I wanted to mention if you feel like you need help, you need to seek it out. You need to. It's not something you can just kind of put off as I have been doing for so, so long. Yeah. <laughs> but today, in fact, I finally just got around to finding a new therapist. Therapist. Therap- in my network and I have my first appointment with her next week. I'm so excited. If you want to find help, you can probably find it through your primary care physician or if you have like a website for all your insurance stuff like I do, there's like a lot of info that you can find there usually or even just Google around for crisis help in your area. There will always, always be someone who can and will help you always. So the fun fact that 
I was withholding till the end of the episode. Okay. When I was looking up some stuff, uh, this may not have been intentional, but I like to hope that it was when Sokka is talking about his dream and he's like, Momo could talk and he said some very unkind things. This is like, there's a very good continuity with this and the very, very late scene later of one of Aang's dreams where Momo is just a complete asshole. That's true. That's all I wanted to they say. They do follow up with that. <laughs> yeah. So like dream Momo is always, always yeah. just very rude boy. When you reincarnate into a lemur, you're able to hop into people's dreams. And your main MO is like, hey, I'm walking here. Yeah. <laughs> you can find me on Twitter at Stellar Ghost. And I'm on Tumblr also, Interstellar Princess. My art blog is Summer Art on Tumblr, summergeist.art. You can support my various creative endeavors on Patreon, patreon.com slash summergeist. You can find me on Tumblr and Twitter, both at the same username, Aldude. And you can find my music at noahdoesmusic.tumblr.com and noahgeist.bandcamp.com. And most importantly, you can find my music at noahgeist.tumblr.com just in case you get confused with those URLs <laughs> and I figured out how to redirect pages and things. Well, now you've just made everyone extremely confused and they have no idea where to go. Well, just go to one of them. You can follow my podcabbages on Twitter at mypodcabbages. Rate us on iTunes if you're in the neighborhood. We saw that a few people did that. Thanks for doing that. Appreciate that. And of course, as always, please check out noisebase.xyz. I heard we're legally uh, obligated to use the word Z because it's a Canadian website. <laughs> XYZ. Don't type in the word yeah. Z E D. Well, okay, that's a good point. For all of our confused and dumb US listeners, mm. Z is Z, Z is Z, X, Y, Z. Um, it's just spelled the letter Z or the letter Z. This week, I want to highlight a show I don't think we've ever mentioned for some reason. Henry Kissinger is Pokemon Going to Die. Yeah. Um, please listen to it. It is hilarious. It has an all-star cast. All of our good friends, like a huge noise space collaborative of very, very funny people talking about news and politics and making it enjoyable to listen to. It's like the main podcast. Of yeah, it is it is huge. It's it's very good. And if you listen to us and you don't listen to them, what are it's, you doing? If Noise Space was Nintendo, then Henry Kissinger's Pokemon Going to Die is Smash Brothers. Oh, I thought you were going to say Mario and I was oh. like sweating <laughs> bullets because I fucking hate that guy. If you're listening to us in the future, just Google our website and see if we have any fun extra things that we haven't thought of if yet because we're from the past. If you're here from the future, can you please Google my name and just let me know what I'm doing? You've just posted a tweet and then someone will send you and it's like, hey, you just tweeted this. Uh, I think it's time to wrap up. Just like a cabbage is wrapped up inside of itself. I feel like I've made that joke before. Have you seen that? Have you seen that wax video of like someone making like fake food? And they're making like a little cabbage. Man, how do people do podcasts for like over 100, 200, 300 episodes? I feel like I would just be recycling jokes constantly. I feel like that's what people do. But the trick is that the audience forgets the jokes too because <laughs> you listen to so much. It's just kind of like a sort of a... <laughs> 50 first dates, no, I was gonna but say, in slow motion right. and cross dissolved into each other. I was going to say it's like a sort of like a Stockholm syndrome. And like you just keep hearing these things that are just somewhere in your subconscious. And the more you hear them, the more you're like, yeah, 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 mm -hmm. yeah, I get that. 
None of this is funny. Yeah. <laughs> we're just talking. We're just speculating. We're just philosophizing. Uh, if we're still keeping any of this in the podcast, sorry for such a dark episode. I hope we made you cry. I don't hope that. That's bad. Does anyone cry in this episode? Me? Actually, <laughs> I do. Uh, this is all the way at the end. But yes, this is in fact the very first episode we see Zuko cry. Bye. Bye. <laughs> Cabbage. We're just going to leave the mics on and just like continue about our lives. <laughs> Wait, wasn't there like a podcasting meme where it was like they did that? Yeah. <laughs> they just locked Man, out. Man, that would be embarrassing if we did that. That would sure be embarrassing. Okay. Good thing we already stopped the recording. To rearrange all these amiibos again. All time today. Man, wouldn't it be embarrassing if people found out that we didn't do anything else? That we just sat at the computer all day and fiddled with our microphones until it was time to record. And now time to just sit here and <laughs> I don't think this bit is funny. Sparkling water. <laughs> I'm I'm ending this.